said, you're the light of the world. You. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him, you're the light of the world. Now turn to the other side and say, you're supposed to be salty. <laughs> All right, I'm done. Let's go home. No. Um, the power of the name of Jesus, and just talking about Jesus somewhere in public as a light is amazing. I was at a bike shop yesterday getting my, my bicycle tuned up. And so I'm standing there, and I don't know anybody in there. There's people milling around, cyclists mainly. And so I see this guy standing there, African-American man, uh, and he had a T-shirt on. I saw this great big Jesus. And I was across the way. Now, God made me to be heard. <laughs> he did. He made me to be heard. I can't, I, I can't even whisper good. So I just said, hey, I said, I noticed your t-shirt. I'm a pastor. Well, everybody in there. <laughs> and so we started talking about Jesus. He said, where do you go to church? Oh, I go to church. Where do you pastor? Oh, I pastor on Garden Acres 35. He said, I think I've heard you on the radio. I said, hey, let's talk. <laughs> so we're, we're talking. Now, here's what I noticed. Just talking about Jesus. Just talking about Jesus. You know, I'm, we're not in church. We're out there. And Here's all these employees trying to do business. And uh, people there that were milling around looking at bikes and bike stuff. And, and I noticed that one of the employees is talking to somebody who, who wanted information about bikes. And he's having a hard time listening to this customer because he wants to hear what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I just became aware all over again of how we're not supposed to keep Jesus contained in these four walls, okay? Because you've got a voice that's, that's going to be heard immediately as well. As soon as you say that name, it releases repercussions into the atmosphere. And so we had a great talk, me and this guy, he was just taking up cycling, and I've been doing it almost my whole life, and so we, um, he was asking me some tips, and we were talking about, but, but we, we bonded standing there. Now, there's, there's nothing like church family. Your, your family is everywhere. You just got to find them. Amen? Now, I'll tell you how you find them. Just say the name Jesus. If they're lost, they run. If they're saved, they want to know who you are. Amen. Well, Jesus said we were the light of the world and salt of the earth in his Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is a masterpiece, and I'm going to talk to you out of it today. And I want to talk to you about the most important thing in your life. In fact, I will tell you, this series of messages I'm starting today and I'm going to go through and do four weeks on uh, are an accumulation of my whole life of walking with God. As you gain years and experience, you begin to see um, what your life message is. You, you, things uh, begin to accumulate and add up in you that you realize are really what Christianity is all about. One of them is your foundation. I'm going to spend four weeks talking to you about your foundation. Now let's read what Jesus said in the greatest sermon ever preached, which was Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about foundations, and I'm going to call this today a foundation that won't fall. I'm going to tell you what a foundation is, what a good one is, what a bad one is, how to get a good one. Let's read what Jesus said. Therefore, now this is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He's finishing 
three chapters of teaching. He's ending with therefore. You know what I tell you about therefore? When you see a therefore, you need to see what it's there for. Because therefore is connecting one thought to another. So Jesus is saying, therefore, after everything I just said to you, therefore. So let's read. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And here comes the storms of life. The rain descended. The floods came. The winds blew. And beat. That is from a Greek word that is so strong. It means to be pummeled. Beat on that house. And what are the next five words? It did not fall. Read to me why. For it was founded on the rock. All right, there's a storm-proof house. Now, let's read about the next one. Verse 26, everybody who hears these sayings of mine and doesn't do them. Notice they hear, but they don't do. And does not do them. That's the foolish man who built his house on the sand. Here comes the same rain, same flood, same wind, and the same beating, the same pummeling on the house. But what does it say happened to the house? Read it with me. And it fell. And great was its fall. Because any time a life crashes and burns, it sends repercussions throughout that community. Father, thank you for your word today. And I pray that you will speak to us. Open our eyes, Holy Spirit. Lord, we can't understand spiritual things apart from the Holy Spirit. Lord, open our eyes and our ears and our understanding so that we can see to it that a strong foundation, a rock foundation is built in our house. Now, I'll breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to me today. I receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, built on a rock. Built on a rock. Built on a rock. Now, we all know the importance of a foundation, at least most of us do. I've never had anybody tell me, I'm going to build a house and I really don't care about the foundation. You're not ever going to hear that. Because we know that a house or a building are only as strong as the foundation they're built on. You've got to have a strong foundation. You've got to have a rock-like foundation. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about foundations. Paul the Apostle talked a lot about foundations. Let me just read you something that he said. He said, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. There's that word. I have laid the foundation. And another builds on it. Now listen to his warning after he's mentioned foundation. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Now, here's, here's Paul talking about foundations. Now, he's telling us that the foundation a Christian builds his or her life on is Jesus Christ. And that's the only one that will survive the storms of life that Jesus just talked about. The rain, the wind, the floods, pummeling, beating on that house. Every Christian must build on, as a foundation, as his foundation... Not just a saving Jesus. Not just the Christ who saves. Because most everybody in here would say, well, yeah, I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved. But listen to, to me carefully. I'm going to harp on this in this message. 
Not only must he be our savior, but he must also be our teacher. He must be our guide, our instructor, the one upon whose teachings we build our life. So when we talk about the foundation being Jesus, we're not just talking about getting saved, getting your fire insurance, and going to heaven one day. We're talking about are you building your life on and around and upon the teachings of Jesus Christ? What he taught, what the Word of God teaches. Now, the Bible says about the entire Word of God, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means it's breathed out by God. It is breathed of God. But listen, since when you say God, you're also talking about Jesus, we could really say safely that all Scripture came from God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit. So when you follow the rest of the Bible, you're also following the teachings of Jesus. But I want to stay just just for fun. Let's just stay with the Sermon on the Mount for a moment. Well, for the rest of this message, let's stay with the Sermon on the Mount. Are you building your life around what Jesus taught? Because that's part of the foundation. That means he's my teacher. That I, I, I gain my worldview. I gain my guidelines for living. I gain my belief system. I, the way I look at God and morals and ethics and family and marriage and people and myself are all shaped and all formed and all directed by the teachings of Jesus Christ and the rest of the Word of God. Paul the Apostle said, listen, he's talking to believers now. He's talking to the Roman Christians, and he says to the Roman Christians, he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now notice, he says, don't be conformed, be transformed. What's he talking about? Because these people are saved. But he's telling saved people, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then and only then will you ever be able to discern what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So he's talking about your thinking. He's talking about your ethics, your morals, your principles, your belief system. He's talking about you either, you're either going to get it from the world, you're going to conform to the world and the world's way of thinking and the world's way of doing, or you're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, where you have erased the old way of thinking and replaced it with the new way of thinking. It's so important, church, and I'm going I'm to I'm harp on this in the next four weeks in a good way. I'm going to go over this over and over again because I have seen that people often get saved, but their minds never get renewed. They get saved, but they end up being conformed to the world. They allow the world to teach them about morals and ethics and family and marriage and sexuality and all the things that comprise life and living. They get their teachings from the world, from television, movies, Oprah, Dr. Phil, they get their teachings, they get their belief system from things the world gives them. But I want you to notice what Jesus said. He said, the wise man is the one who hears these sayings of mine, these teachings of mine on life and living, and they do them. They make them a part of their life. They say, if Jesus taught it, that's the way I'm going to live. 
if Jesus taught it, that's the direction I'm going to go. And, and what he said, not only the man Jesus Christ, but the teachings from the teacher Jesus Christ are the foundation upon which I'm building the rest of my house. Amen. So I'm going to talk to you today about the most important thing in your life right now, and that is the foundation. What foundation are you building the house of your life on? Now, not only does the Bible talk about foundations, but it talks about cornerstones. Now, listen to what Paul said about foundations and then cornerstones. He said, now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation. There's that word, having been built. Your life is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That means what they taught, which was inspired by God. Jesus Christ himself, read the rest with me, being, come on, everybody, talk to me, being the chief cornerstone. So not only are we to lay the foundation of Jesus Christ, he's the foundation of my life, but he's also my cornerstone. Now, what's the difference between a cornerstone and a foundation? Because the Bible is clearly making a difference. Let me tell you, in the Bible, a cornerstone was the first stone put in place in the construction of a building. The cornerstone was important because all the other stones were set in relation to that one stone. Okay? The cornerstone literally determined the position of the entire structure. We could say this, as the cornerstone went, so went the building. So the cornerstone, being the first stone, decided the position and the direction and the the makeup and the fabric of the rest of the entire building. So the Bible says rightly so, that not only is he our foundation, but he must be our cornerstone. So when it comes to your life, if your cornerstone is Jesus, then all the issues of life, everything your life consists of and revolves around, will line up with him. That's why it's so important that the cornerstone you choose is the right one. Because if you choose the wrong cornerstone, then your whole life is going to point in the wrong direction. You're on the wrong track. You're going the wrong way. Because that cornerstone that you've decided, if you've decided to be taught by the world, instructed by the world, informed by the world, you're getting your ethics from the world, your morals from the world, your philosophy from the world, your way of doing and living from the world, then that's the cornerstone you have chosen, and that's going to point your whole life in the wrong direction. But if Jesus is your cornerstone, you have got off to a great start because that means the rest of all of your life, your entire life is going to line up with him. How many of you want to line up with him? Amen? Amen? But I want to say it again. It's not just Jesus as Savior. Yeah, I got my fire insurance. I know I'm going to heaven. I repented. He's my Savior. I know I'm going to heaven. But it's, it, it's also what he taught, what he taught. Now, speaking of what he taught, the Sermon on the Mount, and you'll, you'll read the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, three chapters, and it's also in a shorter version in Luke chapter 6. But the Sermon on the Mount, it says Jesus sat down on the Mount of Olives, and he looked across at this crowd, and he began to teach them. 
And he taught them everything we need to know about life and living. I want you to say with me, he's my teacher. He's not just my savior. He's my teacher. He's my guide. He's my instructor. He teaches me all about how to do life. It's the greatest sermon ever preached. Nothing in all of history can hold a candle to the Sermon on the Mount. It contains everything we need to know about life and living, how to live victoriously, and it also helps us to be ready to meet our God one day. Let me just share with you some of the things Jesus addresses in Sermon on the Mount. It's amazing the things he tackled in one sitting. Are you ready? You'll find in the Sermon on the Mount how to survive persecution, witnessing to a wicked world, avoiding the trap of bitterness, controlling killer emotions like anger, the power of forgiveness, reconciliation, freedom from lust, the sanctity of marriage, how to defeat evil, what real love looks like. He gives us the greatest prayer teaching of all time, freedom from greed, freedom from worry, fairness in judging others, right priorities, the right road and the wrong road to take in life, how to spot a wolf, fake faith, how to be ready for the coming judgment. And I, and I didn't give you everything. And he ends all of this teaching with a story of two men who built a house, one on a sand foundation and the other on a rock foundation. Now, the foundation represents the bedrock guiding principles and beliefs you build your life around, while the house represents the rest of your life, money, children, career, pursuits, relationships, everything that comprises your existence on earth are the house. The foundation are your guiding principles and your beliefs. The house is the rest of your life you build on top of that. Jesus said the house built on the rock foundation did not fall in times of testing and trial. But he said the house built on sand fell and great was its fall because it was the collapse of a life. So I want to talk to you about these two foundations. I want to talk to you about first the sand foundation, the foundation built on sand. Jesus said, the foolish man is the man who hears these sayings of mine but doesn't do them. And I will liken him to somebody that built his house on sand. And the rain falls and the winds blow and the floods pummel and beat on that house and it crashes and collapses because it was built on sand and not on a rock. Now, let me tell you some things a sand foundation might be. First of all, materialism. This is the person who lives to accumulate money, things, and stuff. They're all about acquiring things. I want more money. I want a bigger house. I want a nicer car. I want finer clothes. I want a, the next raise. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to succeed financially in life. But there is something wrong if that's what your life is based on and what you're all about and what you are exclusively, primarily driven to do. So a sand foundation is materialism. Another one is false teaching. Now what's false teaching? It's any philosophy or way of life that is not centered around Jesus Christ. That's what false teaching is. It's any philosophy, any lifestyle that is not centered around Jesus Christ and what he taught. That's false teaching. False teaching is always designed to take you away from Jesus. A third foundation of sand is living for yourself. 
Life is all about me. My Godhead is me, myself, and I. I don't have room for God because I've only got room for me. Living for yourself. That's the foundation of sand. Another one is false hope. You place your hope and you place your trust in things that fail you in the end. In the end, what you built your life on doesn't come through. It doesn't fulfill. It doesn't give you what you thought it would. You built your house on false hope. Jesus said he is a foolish man who lays any foundation other than him. Now, the wisdom of the foundation you decide to build your house on is rarely told at the beginning of your life. In other words, you don't see the results of it at the beginning. You always find the results in the end when the results come in. When your years are used up and time has run out and you look behind you and you go, wow, was my foundation worth it? Was, is what I lived for, was it worth it? Was it true? Did it deliver what I expected? Did it deliver what it promised? And you find if you build your life on sand, you reach the end of your life and you go, wow, I've lived wrong. I, I have not lived for God. I live for myself or I live for other things. And, and you, you find you've got sand sifting through your fingers. The sand of regret, the sand of sorrow, the sand of, oh, I wish I could go back. I wish I could turn back time and give more to God and live more for him. We don't have to look far in this Christ-rejecting culture that we're in right now to find example after example after example after example of people who built their life on the foundation of sand all around us. We see people who gave it all their whole life for money and for fame. And we've recently and sadly seen some high-profile stories in the news of people who seem to have it all. They had money. They had fame. They had everything our world would call success. And yet they end their life in disillusionment and despair. And you look at them, and, I, and I've read stories, all the newscasters and all of the pundits wondering how in the world did this person take their life they had it all no they didn't have it all because if you don't have Jesus and you haven't made peace with God and your soul is not saved and the Holy Spirit does not reside within you I suggest that though you say you are rich and have need of nothing you are miserable wretched poor blind and naked you need the real thing see if Jesus is living in your heart then you're richer than a multi-billionaire who does not have God. I read recently of world-famous author Jack Higgins, who's one of the leading novelists of our times, and he's written about 90 to 100 books. I read that he's a multi-millionaire, and I read that he lives on his own island. Can you imagine that, living on your own island? And he was interviewed one day. And this interviewer asked him if there was anything he wished somebody would have told him when he was younger. And his response was this, I wish that somebody had told me when you get to the top, there's nothing there. Now, that, that's the words of a, of a man in pain, inner pain, who built his life on a foundation of sand. Because he's realized money doesn't satisfy, money doesn't fulfill, fame doesn't fulfill, career doesn't fulfill what really fulfills is walking with the God who made you and making peace with him and knowing him and loving him 
I want to guarantee you something. If you walk with Jesus Christ your whole life, you will not reach the end of your days and say, there is nothing here. No, you will reach the end of your days and say, thank God I live for him. You know, I've been at a lot of deathbeds as a pastor, and I've prayed with a lot of people who were leaving this world, and I've never had anybody look at me and say, you know, Pastor, I wish that I hadn't lived for Jesus. I've never had anybody say, boy, I wish I had not served the Lord. But here's what I have heard. I have heard things like, I wish I'd prayed more. I wish that I'd been in church more. I wish that I'd served him more. I wish that I'd come to him sooner. I've heard that. But I've never heard anybody regret walking with God. You know why? Because you won't regret walking with God. The wisest man who ever lived beside Christ himself was King Solomon. And he vividly describes the consequences from choosing a wrong foundation. He, he writes, vanity of vanities. All that is done without God's guidance is vanity, futile, meaningless, a wisp of smoke, a vapor that vanishes, merely chasing the wind. That's the foundation of sand. But then we come to the one built on a rock. Jesus said the same rain and wind and floods come beating and slamming against this house that is built on a rock. And it says it doesn't collapse, it doesn't crash, it doesn't fail. This house has been storm-proofed. How? By being on the rock. This is the person who chooses to make Jesus their chief cornerstone, and they build their life around his teachings and his principles. They say, if Jesus said it, that's the way I'm going to live. If Jesus said, do it, I'm going to do it. If he said, don't do it, I'm not going to do it. If Jesus said, this is the way I'm to go, I'm going that way. I'm going to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus, and there's no turning back. I'm going to follow the man from Galilee. I'm going to follow the one who died for me. I'm going to follow the one who rose from the dead. I'm going to follow the one who spoke like no man ever spoke. I'm going to follow the one who died in my place. I'm going to follow the one who is the way and the truth and the life. Since he's the way, I'm going that way. Since he's the truth, I'm walking in that truth. Since he's the life, I'm going to run after and pursue that life. This is the person, the one built on the rock, who built their house on a rock. This is the one who says he's the center. He's number one. He is to them like the sun in our solar system around which all the other planets revolve. He's the sun in my solar system. And my whole life revolves around him. Not only is he my savior, but he is my teacher. He's my philosopher. He's the one who taught me how to do life. And I'm going to follow not only him as a person, but what he taught. Jesus stressed in his closing the Sermon on the Mount. When he said, whoever hears these sayings of mine, he stressed this. They do them. The wise man heard and did them. The foolish man heard, but didn't do them. The wise man said, wow, he told me to do this, do that, go that way, go this way, so I'm going to do it. The foolish man says, wow, that was a great sermon, and he walks away and he forgets about it. I got a call one day from somebody from Dallas, and they said to me, hey, are you okay with me visiting your church? Now, the reason they were asking me is because they were in the homosexual lifestyle, and they wanted to know if I was going to condemn them. And I said, absolutely, you're welcome. Of course you're welcome. Come on. And I said, but tell me, why are you leaving where you are? And he said, without even pausing, he said, we're sick and tired of parking lot sermons. 
And I said, what's a parking lot sermon? He said, by the time you get to the parking lot, you forget what you heard. <laughs> in other words, he wanted something to, to be able to put in his pocket, take home with him, and use the next day that was practical and, the, and that stuck with him. In other words, the teachings of Jesus. Our nation is dying for Jesus Christ. Our nation is longing for somebody to tell them the truth. Jesus told the truth. So Jesus said, the wise man not only hears, but he does. He does what he hears. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, that's the wise man who builds his house on the rock. If you read Luke's account in Luke 6 of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and listens to my words and obeys them is the wise man. That's the wise man who hears my words and obeys them. They weave his teachings into the fabric of their life. His teachings decide their lifestyle. Who hears my words and obeys them. That's the one who builds his house on the rock. So everybody say, you got to do them. Not just hear them. See, there's people who hear me every Sunday. And they walk out, and by the time they get to their car, I hope not. I hope there's not very many of these. I really hope there's not. Maybe a tiny little percentile forget what they heard by the next day. I love it when somebody says to me, I remember what you said a year ago. I said, give me your name, and I'm going to send you a check. <laughs> I remember what you said. That blesses me. Now listen, Jesus said you got to do what I teach. Let me give you some examples. For instance, when I practice forgiveness, like he taught in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, as you have been forgiven, you need to forgive others. When I practice forgiveness for people that hurt me, offend me, betray me, wound me, they do me dirty, do me wrong, when I forgive them like he taught, only then am I placed solidly on the rock that protects me from the rain, the wind, and the flood of bitterness. When I do it, I can know what he said all day long, but I got to do it. And when I do it, I'm standing on the rock. I love what David said. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. And he brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay. Now look what comes next. And he set my feet upon a rock and established my going. And then he put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. But the bottom line is, when you get to know the God of heaven, the God who, who Jesus represented and Jesus was God himself, then he puts you always and evermore on a rock that establishes your goings. When I practice seeking first his kingdom, as he taught in Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, when I put his kingdom first, I get up in the morning and he is my main pursuit. He is what I'm after. He is what I want to know. I want to know him more than I want anything else. He's my treasure. He's my love. He's my everything. He's my number one. He is not my Sunday Jesus. He's my Monday Jesus. He's my Tuesday Jesus. I love him on Wednesday. I seek him on Thursday. I praise him on Friday. I'm after him on Saturday. And when I come to church on Sunday, it's just an overflow from seeking him all week long. When I seek him first, like he taught, it protects me from chasing after other gods and things that don't really matter. When I cast my needs on him, like he taught in Sermon on the Mount, 
and I give God all my needs and I trust God to be my provider, it protects me from the rain and the wind and the flood of worry because now I'm standing on a rock. And see, anytime you're standing on that rock, you're standing on his truth. And when you're standing on his truth, all the lies that hell throws at you go off of you are like a Teflon Christian. Boy, there's a sermon title. That came to me right there on the spot. You're like a Teflon Christian. Because when you're standing on the rock and you're walking in his truth, the devil throws his lies at you and it just slips right off. Slips right off. And, and he can't take you down because you're standing on the rock and your cornerstone is Jesus Christ. So I'm not fully on the rock and neither are you unless he's both my Savior and my teacher. Let me ask you today. Is Jesus your Savior and your teacher? Do, do you look at the red ink in the Bible? I, I like to say read the red. Do you look at the red ink on, in the Bible, the things Jesus taught? Just the Sermon on the Mount. You ought to go home today and read it, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And, and do it with a pen and, and, and just section off every topic he covers. You will be amazed at what he covers in one 10-minute sermon. Section it off and, and say to yourself, all right, where am I standing on sand and where am I standing on the rock? Let the word search you. Your morality, your ethics, your relationships, your money, your walk, your talk. Let the word search you because as it searches you, he'll place you on the rock. He put my feet on a rock. And when I got on the rock, it established my path, my goings. My life got stable. You know what stability is? The ability to stay. That's stability. Stand with me, would you? I tell in the first service, a while back, a lady walked up to me who was in a Bible study that I taught years ago. I'm going to go ahead and say it. It was in the 70s when I was learning how to teach. Way back in the 70s. And she walked up to me, she looked at me, and she shook her head. And she said, Jeff Wickwire, still doing the same old thing. <laughs> and she meant it as a slam. I took it as a huge compliment. I said, thank you. Yes, I'm still preaching. I'm still teaching. I'm still walking with him. I'm still talking him up and talking the devil down. I'm still doing what I've always done. You know why? You know why? Because he made me stable. Stability is the ability to stay. And you get stable when you're standing on the rock. Amen. I walked away and I wished I had said to her, you know, I am still doing the same old thing. And when I'm in my 70s, I'm still going to do the same old thing. And in my 80s, I'm still going to do the same. And if God gives me breath into my 90s, I'm still going to be doing the same old thing. Because listen, I haven't reached the end with sand sifting through my fingers. I've reached the end with joy and peace and fulfillment and purpose. I've reached the end having fulfilled my destiny. I am a rich man. Hallelujah. What are you standing on? Are you on sand? Is it all about you, all about things, all about stuff? Chasing other teachings from other teachers that have nothing to do with Jesus? Or are you standing on the rock? Let's lift our hands to the Lord of life.
Father, I thank you today for Jesus. Not only did he come to die for us and take us to heaven, but he came to give us principles to live by, truth to live by. He came to teach us how to do life, how to win, how to be successful over the devil and over sin. Now, Lord, we come to you and ask you to search us and show us, Lord, where we're on sand and where we're on the rock. And help us, Lord, to get our feet firmly planted and grounded in the truth that is in Jesus. Will you pray the prayer with me, dear church, and just say, Lord, I give you my foundation. Where it is sand, show it to me. And put me on the rock in my morals, in my ethics, in my relationships. Stormproof my house in Jesus' name. Well, I sense the Holy Spirit here right now. I sense the Holy Spirit. Thank God. This is truth. And the Lord is going to be changing our life in the next few weeks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your blessing. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.